As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 22, put a little tab there, we'll also be in Luke chapter 16. We're almost home, we're in our ninth week of ten of Orangewood's Ten Deadly Sins. Really, we could do this 56 weeks of the year, uh, but there's only one more to come after this one. And again, thank you so much for journeying with me. It really has been amazing to see God's Spirit work in my life. When He reveals to me the next layer of depth of how broken I am, the really good news is the Spirit of the living God also reveals to me the next depth of how beautiful Jesus is and how incredible His work is and what He's really done for us. So it's my hope and prayer that the Spirit of the living God will be here with us and that you'll be free. You'll be free to look deeply into your life because, again, there's one here with us that rescues us and He loves us. He's not going to let us go. And so now we have this ability to go deep. We have this ability to be honest. Not be afraid. Because at the end of the day, we're going to realize we're loved and we're rescued. I've started many of these weeks off with a question. I'll do it again this week. How is your debt problem? We've asked how your lust problem is. We've asked other questions. But this morning, how is your debt problem? It's a huge problem plaguing America, plaguing our churches. According to the Federal Reserve... Last year, consumer debt, things like credit cards and the like, for Americans in the U.S., ready for this, $2.5 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars that we have found ourselves in debt last year. The average household, the average household in America has $8,500, $8,500 worth of credit card debt. The average American carries at least four credit cards. 15% of us carry, you ready for this? 10 or more. And I know that Orangewood is always well above average, so it makes me shudder. (laughs) Some uh, notes that in 2003, the average car loan payment was $466. Again, in 2003, the average car loan was $23,801. Maybe some of the most alarming things that my uh, research found out is this. The number one age group for bankruptcy, 35 to 44. That's kind of right in our bread and butter. Number two, ready for this? 25 to 34. Wow. An incredible uh, economy in which we live in, which is very difficult, and a country that says if you want something, go and get it, pay for it now, or buy it now, worry about pay for it later. That if you have a card and maybe it's gold or platinum and with an incredible uh, line of credit, go ahead and use it. Worry about it later. It's amazing the amount of debt that we have gotten ourselves into. I'm like you, an American materialist, recovering materialist, trying to find life oftentimes in the things that we buy, the things that we own, or the things that own us. But Scripture tells us, 
and it hits us between the eyes. we got a journey here together, so enter in with me. There's such good news. The Scripture has so much to say about debt. So much to say about money. It's going to talk more about money than even things like sex. But we get to the Proverbs, and Proverbs 22 tells us this, that the borrower, and really when we use credit cards, we go into debt, we are the borrower. The The borrower, easy for me to say, is slave to the lender. That if it is true that if you and I get those bills at the end of the month and uh, they are credit card bills and our car loan bills and our college loans and all the loans come in to us, really those problems, those finances are enslaving us. According to the statistics, Americans are drowning, drowning in the debt. As a matter of fact, I... Uh, <laughs> I've outlined a couple of books. Haven't written any yet, but I've outlined some probably bestsellers. I'm pretty convinced. One of the ones I outlined was The New American Slavery. And really believing that the slavery that our country faced years ago, tragic as though it was, horrible, the new slavery that seems to be plaguing us is financial debt. It's the slavery that we enslave ourselves with by charging more than we can afford. The reality is this. What does Jesus have to do with our debt? Why in the world are you talking about this? Isn't this a private manner? No, it's not. Because Jesus is concerned with all of your life and all of mine. And this is plaguing the church. And there's really good news is this, is, is that Jesus came not to come and beat us over the head saying, you guys are getting it all wrong. Jesus didn't come so you can squirm in your seat today and feel really bad about what you've gotten yourself into. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reality of a God who loves sinners and demonstrates that love to sinners by rescuing us is this. Jesus' desire for you and for me is to be set free. Is to live a life free. Free from the power of sin. God, Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly that now things like pornography, we should be able to have the power to overcome. Things like financial debt, Jesus has come to give us power to set us free from sin. And there's even more good news, he's come to set us free from the penalty that we deserve of sin. That Westminster Confession question about what do we deserve with sin? We deserve his anger, both in this life and the life to come. But again, there's such good news. Instead of getting his anger, we get his grace, we get his mercy, we get his love, we get his favor, and we find his son. We get life. We find all that favor, all that love, all that freedom that comes. So Christ does want us to live our lives free, free from the power and penalty of sin, but also free, very importantly, very important, from financial debt. Being set free. We're going to look at uh, a couple of verses. We're going to start in Proverbs 22, uh, verse 7, and then we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry, Luke 16, 10 through 15. Let's remind ourselves, like we do every week, this is God's word. It's holy, it's inerrant. We should be in submission to this, uh, this incredible ancient document that God has preserved for us as his word. It really is everything we need to tell us about how we're to believe and how we're to live. So what a privilege is ours to have this. We also need the Holy Spirit that comes and illumines our minds so we can understand it. So it really becomes alive and active to us. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this. 
The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. According to Scripture, the borrower is slave to the lender. All those bills you get in the mail saying you owe is saying, Scripture saying you are enslaved to Citibank. You are enslaved to your Visa, American Express card, or whatever else we are in debt for. Let's look to what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, Jesus is talking uh, about being shrewd with our, our money, really his money that he's entrusted to us. Picking up in verse 10, he says this. Jesus says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust you with true riches, really heavenly riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, and we got to realize this, when we are in debt, even if the credit card has our name on it, it's not, we're, we're leveraging someone else's money, saying that we will pay back. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, Jesus says, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Think about debt service. If you are in incredible debt service, you can have a very hard time if you're servicing your debt to truly live a life in obedience and service to God. The Pharisees, these are religious folks that you would think get it, didn't. They love money. They heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus. The Greek says here they were turning up their nose at him. Yeah, whatever. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But here's what I want us to look and focus on here as well. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. What people value highly. Oftentimes, what people value in our culture highly is living way above our means. And God says, detestable. And we'll see why. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, come. Come through a broken vessel who again this week so desperately needs to hear this message. God, I, I'm not qualified. I'm not financially capable enough to really give a sermon that will point folks in the right direction. But you are. And Father, I'm in process with this, just like my brothers and sisters in this room. So Father, we don't need to hear my opinion and my words. We need to hear from the God of the universe, the creator and owner of all things. So God, you got to do that which is supernatural, that which is only you can do. And that is speak to us through a sinner like me. Father, it won't happen unless your Holy Spirit is here with power that opens up our ears to hear Jesus' voice. The Holy Spirit is allowed to come and we ask and we beg that he would and illumine our minds, shine light into our minds and into our lives and into our checkbooks and into our, our credit cards balances. So that we can see the truth of the gospel. God, I thank you that you are a God who cares even about this aspect of our lives.
This is important to you. And because it's important to you, it's important to us. And because it's important to you, God, we're asking that you drag this into the light, the light of Christ. And God, our hearts that are cold and stony and unbelieving, would you give us grace? Would you mold our hearts to believe in your call to manage your resources in a way that advances your kingdom and sets us free? Jesus, thank you that you've come to give us freedom in all areas of life, including financial freedom. So come and and for the, all, of all, all of us, for the many that are enslaved in debt right now, for the many right now their nose is barely above or below the waterline, give us grace and mercy. God, we ask that you'd be so gracious to us that we would walk out of here with, with, with power of the Spirit, maybe some tools that now we could live our lives with financial freedom that comes from the gospel. That, God, that you would receive glory, we would receive great joy. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For us to get this, instead of boring down on one topic and, and, and uh, really going deep, what I'd like for us to start with is this. It's the bigger picture. I want us to see how this fits in the biblical narrative. That really the entire Bible is a story about a God who rescues His people in bondage. That's the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture is a God who created all things for His glory who created us to know and love Him as we reflect who He is in His image. But how we have gone astray, how we have rejected Him, and how we've tried to live on our own, and we have brought on ourselves through sin, misery, and ruin. How we have rejected God's way, decided our way is better, and because of that, found bondage, found enslavement. It says very clearly through Scripture that the soul that sins will die. And the soul that sins is enslaved to sin. But there's great news about the Bible. And the story of the Bible is this. That God is going to work with us and step into time with us. And rescue us. And to free us from all that enslaves us. That's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is about a father. A father who loves his children so much that he'll do anything he can. Anything. He'll go to the ends of the earth. He'll even sacrifice his own son to free us from what is bondage, what is ensnaring us, what is enslaving us. Let's look a little bit closer at this. The story of the Bible opens up in paradise where man and woman are with God. They have an incredible relationship with God, unbroken with sin. And man is doing what he was created to do, walking with God, having fellowship with his maker, reigning and ruling for God over all creation. That is what we were made for, and we will do that in the new uh, heavens and new earth. But again, man rebelled. And because of man's rebellion, we were enslaved. As you turn the pages of Genesis, you'll get to God's people being enslaved in Egypt. Sin, again, uh, leads to exile, leads to enslavement. But God is going to raise up a man named Moses. Of all the prophets that spoke for God in the Old Testament, Moses was unique. Because this Moses would talk to God face to face. So much so, his face would radiate. And this Moses was raised up, and he was raised up to go back into Egypt and to let God's people go. Because why? Because you've got to understand this. God wants to set his children free. That's what the scriptures are all about. So Moses is raised up, and he goes back to Pharaoh, the strongest ruler of the time. He says, let my people go. And performs those miracles. And, and you know the story. And eventually uh, the Red Sea parts. And God's people have an exodus to the promised land. 
As we continue to read, we get to the book of Exodus, and it's starting to tell us some rules and regulations of how we're to live in the promised land. And unbelievably, God deals with those who are going to find themselves in financial peril. And they're in such difficult situation that they'll have to sell themselves. They didn't have credit cards back then. Instead of going to credit card debt and running up huge amounts of that personal debt, when things got really bad, when they couldn't pay for the grain, when they owed money, they didn't slave themselves. They'd say, I'll, I'll become your slave. It wasn't anything like we picture of the, of the horrendous nature of the American slavery where they were kidnapped and taken against their will. These are those who just couldn't make ends meet. But God didn't want his children, even those, especially those who were poor, to be enslaved. And he made a rule. He said, listen, every seven years, set them free. No questions you ask. Every seven years, my children, they got to be set free. I know they owed you stuff, but wipe, wipe out the debt. And he said something else. He come along to the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus 25, you get this incredible story of a celebration called Jubilee. And Jubilee happened every seventh, seventh year. Actually, in the 50th year, it was a time when the entire nation of Israel, all of God's people, were to declare Jubilee. Anybody who has a debt, you've been set free. Anyone who's been enslaved, you've been set free. All go back to your home. All go back because this Jubilee, God wants his people free. He doesn't want them in debt. He doesn't want them enslaved. And so he was going to make sure, even in the promised land, that there were rules and regulations to set them free. But we kept on getting to bondage. The prophet Isaiah says in 61, Isaiah 61, that there'll be one, there'll be a servant, there'll be a savior. We know his name is Jesus, who's going to come. And the spirit of living God is going to be on him and he's going to proclaim good news, the gospel. And he is going to be used by God to set prisoners free, to set captors free. And this incredible story in Isaiah 61, when Jesus preached his first ever sermon in the synagogue of his hometown, guess what he quotes? Luke 4 tells us. Unbelievably, he quotes Isaiah 61. And he's basically saying, this is now fulfilled in your presence. I am here filled with the Holy Spirit. Come to proclaim good news. The good news that God loves you and wants to release you from the penalty and the power of your sin. He wants to set you free. And he's doing it through me. God made flesh. You see, the story of the Bible is a story of a father who loves sinners like us so much that he'll do anything to set us free. Whether it's part of Red Sea, whether it's declare every seven years you're free, whether it's a year of jubilee, but it's ultimately in Jesus. You see, Jesus is our exodus from slavery to the promised land. He's our exodus. In him, we pass through death and go to life. Jesus is our exodus. Jesus is our jubilee, where all our debts have been paid and we are declared free. Jesus is our jubilee. Jesus is that Savior who was to come, filled with the Spirit, God in flesh, to truly set us free. That's the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture is that he does not want his children to be in bondage, including financial bondage, including financial debt. That is the story of the Bible. See, any good father will try to keep their children free from bondage, no matter what it is. Out of Miami this, this, this last week, this last month in July, there was a father who was in a burning building. 
third floor apartment in a burning building and grabbed, his name was uh, Angel Rosa. And he grabbed his little boy Derek and was willing to leap, leap to safety and protecting his child. What father would not try to provide safety, protection from bondage, from fire, from enslavement? And really, that's the story of Jesus. It's the story of the Father with us. He wants to work to rescue us and to set us free. So that's the first thing is this. God wants to set his people free from bondage. That includes financial bondage. We also got to realize that our sin leads us to bondage. All sin, everything, whether it's idolatry, lust, entitlement, financial uh, uh, sin, all of it leads to bondage. It all promises life. That's what sin does. I mean, sin promises life, but it delivers death and bondage. It happened from the beginning. Way back in a garden, a guy named Adam, who had life and life abundantly, had incredible fellowship with God. A deceiver came, Satan. He says, you really want to live? You really want to know? Eat this fruit. Our society is a little bit different. It says it has a different kind of fruit that it entangles us with. You really want to live? You really want to enjoy life? Go ahead and spend. Go ahead and charge it. You'll find life. You'll be set free. This next little trinket, this thing in your life, but really all it does is lead to bondage. Financial debt does lead us and enslave us. Let's look a little closer at what this really means. What are we saying to God when we go into financial debt? Here's what we're saying. We're not content with what you entrusted with us. It's not enough, God. I need more. What you provided for me. Yeah, you told me you'd give me your daily bread. Looks around, it looks like we all have no problem there. You tell us that everything we have comes from your hand, but it's not enough, God. I want more. And so I'm going to go find it myself. We don't trust that God will provide for us. You know, one of the greatest tragedies, I believe, about credit cards in the Americans' church is this. We don't have to pray any longer. Your air conditioning goes out, charge it. You got a new hot water heater? Charge it. You got to pay for a vacation? You really, really want to go out? Charge it. Why pray about it? I mean, our securities become not, oh, our Heavenly Father, give us this day our daily bread, the one who owns it all. It's like, I got something in my back pocket, it'll take care of it. And really, we've lost our ability to trust God to provide. And what we do when we go into financial debt is this we're, gonna, we're looking for life outside of Christ. We really believe in the lie that, man, that next purchase, that next thing in our lives, that's going to provide the, the, what we need. And we're looking, basically saying to Christ, you're not enough. But there's such incredible good news, and it's this. There's liberating power of the gospel. Again, Isaiah said that Jesus would come to say that we will be set free. And Jesus came and he says this. Listen to John. John verse 8. 34 and 35 says this. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if Jesus, the Son, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus has come to set you free. And first and foremost, from the power and penalty of sin, but also to live your life in freedom financially. 
How did He do that? Unbelievably, He became our sin. The debt that we owe because of sin. And that's the wages of sin is, is death. We owe a debt to God. Jesus paid it. He paid it on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God took Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, the perfect Lamb of God, to become sin for us, to pay that debt so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now, Galatians 5.1, again, was dealing specifically with the power and penalty of the sin, of, of, of sin, of uh, the law. But it says this, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus has come to set you free, not just to open up heaven, but to give you life today, to give you meaning, to give you purpose, to live your life free from the entanglements of sin, including financial debt. Are you enslaved? Are you living in that freedom? Or are you living the American lie and just drowning in your debt? Let me give you some practical steps. Practical steps from, to financial freedom. Cut up your credit cards. All you need maybe is one. Um, if you have several, the best thing to do is cut them up now. Scripture says if, if, if our eye causes us to stumble, gouge it out. If our sin, our hand leads us to sin, cut it off. If you have a problem and it is spending and maybe through credit cards, cut them out. Get rid of uh, that which will lead you astray. If you owe, if you have a, a, a number that you owe financially, pay your debts. Scripture is very clear that we're called to pay our debts. Let me encourage you, start with the lowest bill. If you have several bills, start with the lowest one. Pay it off. You're going to feel great getting rid of that one. And then take the next one. But God has called each one of us to truly be free to pay our debts. Budget. Budget. Use the budget. Uh, if you need help with the budget, our deacons, we have a lot of folks trained in Crown Ministry. We would love to help you with that. Uh, for several years, Katie and I have used envelopes. Uh, we'll take money at the beginning of the month and we'll put it in several different envelopes and, and clothes, miscellaneous, entertainment. And when it's gone, it's gone. I mean, what a great way to make sure that you're not spending more than what you make. And, and swallow your pride. Work a budget. And if you need to, uh, get help. You ready for this next practical advice? This is going to change your life. Someone just recently told me this and kind of challenged me with it. It's profound. Don't buy anything you don't have the money for. Wow. But if God really wants me to have it, if I really need it, it's really imperative. He will provide. Can you imagine our lives if we did not buy anything that we didn't have money set aside for? Give God a chance to provide. Give Him a chance. He wants to show how much He loves you. And set you if you're in financial situation, lay it out before the Lord like Hezekiah did. Lay it out before the Lord. Pray over it. Say, God, show up. I'm going to trust you. Don't let me lean on my credit cards or my my line of credit. Let me trust God with this. Lay it out before him. Give us a chance to let God bless you. I'm so proud of our deacons fund. I'm so proud. I mean, every month we, we collect uh, from you uh, some funds that we are going to be able to give to the body of Christ for those who are in need, those who lost their job or have sickness in their family. 
And the stories come pouring in of God's blessing. Are you willing to love your neighbor and help? I know you are. You're a very generous church. When that deacon's plate comes around in Sunday school class, equipping center class, give so we can love one another. Give so we can keep one another out of bondage financially. Give. And for those of you who are, are really hurting, give the church a chance to love you in Christ's name. If you're working and you, just, you can't get your ends to meet, your financial uh, um, situation to be turned around, we're here. God has provided for you. I mean, we're not like a, a never-ending ATM machine, but we would love to have you meet with the deacons. We'd love to have our deacons fund be a blessing to you. Trust the gospel. Jesus is enough. Trust the gospel. He set you free. Trust the gospel. He is sufficient. Don't believe the lie. Let's get out of bondage. You know, another thing I think we really need to do is tithe. Where are you with that? I mean, it's amazing. For many of us, we give $450 a month to a, uh, a car payment and this to our credit cards. But we're not tithing. Scripture says, trust God in this. You want to see a turnaround? You say, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. Start there. It's his money. And see what he does with you. Where are you, Christian? Are you living a life of freedom that's been set free by Christ? Are you being enslaved by the American dream? For those of you who have yet to trust Christ as Savior, He's the only way to be set free. That's the most important. Finances come second to your soul. If you haven't yet come to Christ and realize that His work on your behalf, His blood to make you clean, that empty tomb that declares that we can have life and life abundantly. Today's the day. Start here. Start with embracing Christ as Savior. For those of you who have embraced Christ that are maybe drowning into some debt, trust Him. Turn your finances over to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we pray that the Spirit of the living God would press upon us some real practical steps that we can live in obedience to Christ. Because truly, all that we have is yours. Ancient of days, O oh Jesus, you have come, you have come, you were promised that you would come to set us free, to give us life and life abundantly. And Father, we confess that uh, we've tried to do it on our own and we've enslaved ourselves. But Father, we know of Jesus who turns our mourning into dancing, who has truly given us life and life abundantly. And to him now we sing. Be pleased with the spirit of the living God. Free us from this trap, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.